0: Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roschert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor.
1: And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And today we're going to be doing um, a question and answer episode. And we we actually asked you for questions probably a month ago. And we recorded a question and answer episode and then we had technical difficulties. So we're re-recording it. So you're probably hearing this like way after you ask these questions, if you're one of the people that asked so we thank you for your patience, but we're still going to answer them. And maybe because we've recorded it, we'll be better at answering these questions. We'll have,
0: yeah, maybe, or maybe not. <laughs> or it will be worse.
1: I, I might not have remembered what I said. I don't think so. I couldn't even remember all the questions. And then I started looking at them. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I kind of remember that. <laughs> so I remember talking about them. I hope, hopefully everyone out there is doing all right with what's going on in the world. I know it's not an easy time. So anyway, let's get right into the questions. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. So the first person, and these were asked on, uh, asked this on Instagram. So the, their Instagram username is Moto Martini. This person has two questions. So what's been your most effective marketing tool or technique and how, how much they're related. So I'll just ask them both. And how much time do you spend on marketing compared to creating art? And I think last time we did this, we just took turns starting. So I'll let you answer this one first. Yeah. And
0: then I'll do the next one. It's funny how I feel like things have already changed since we talked about this question last, like a month ago, right? My most effective technique definitely was face-to-face networking. (laughs) and that has come to a halt and which has dried up dried up a pipeline right there so that kind of skews this question a little bit well let's, why don't you ta- why don't you talk about
1: that for a little bit anyway just because we're going to be able to eventually go back to that and it's been effective for you
0: yeah so what i think it the the core of face to face networking the, the biggest benefit is developing a personal relationship with someone. And it's, you could do that much faster and easier face-to-face. That we're just social animals, right? And so it's, it's very easy to develop connections and to see body language and blah, blah, blah. And what's great about face-to-face networking, you could easily become the one guy in that specialty that that other person knows, right? So I could be the only artist that guy has ever actually met. And now I'm the one artist that he knows and now uh, or one illustrator that he knows. And so now I'm um, his go to rec- recommendation whenever he's out and about and someone's asking randomly that they need an illustrator. Like, oh, I know a guy.
1: So how do you meet how do you meet these people, though, in the first place to do this type of um, networking?
0: Yeah. So I'd go to different there's different networking events um, that you could find. I know locally for for me there, I like going to advertising circles, so MADE, it's a main ad and design network. And so they'll they'll have cocktail hours and different lectures and and stuff that you can go to and networking events so you can meet people locally who are in advertising who would potentially need me in the future mm-hmm. and so you're just rubbing elbows with the people who are gonna potentially need your services and so I think that's the best but you could use this same strategy digitally of course I think it takes it takes more effort and I think you need to put a lot more time into it digitally to be able to show your authenticity and to make these connections strong so that's where that's where I think social media comes into play but
1: yeah how did you find out even about these this network like what was it called made made ad and design yeah so how you just found it online or through how did you find out because you know people are gonna wonder like okay how am I gonna find these type of networking groups and uh, meetups in my local area
0: I, I've learned. I learned about ne- ne- uh, networking through networking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it really comes down to word of mouth and people. You know, you just got to show up to events that are advertised in your local area. I know my found my foundation of my network. Was bought into because I went to the main College of Art, and so yeah. that's that's the biggest reason, I've, biggest benefit I think to going to art school is that you now you now have a, a, a network to tap into to ask questions to then find the answers to the next question, you know, and yeah, or or to at least some at least at least be able to lead you to someone who could answer those questions, and so it really comes down to the people you know, the networks you're already in, asking and keep keeping an eye out and an ear out for different events. Yeah,
1: I think also... If you don't have like a network already, maybe you're you're kind of an introvert. Like you might have to take an initiative and and maybe go to the local library, and they may have like an information board with different events posted. Or Craigslist has like a community board for local events. So there's different ways you can find out about things that are going on in your area.
0: Facebook meetups. I think meetup.com is the one that does that kind of stuff. I wonder because like, now I do um,
1: virtual reality all the time. Yeah, with my headset, and there's a, a social app called alt space and they they host events all the time like open mic nights and um all sorts of commu- and yoga and community meetups but you're doing it virtual like so you could go to an open mic night and there's people there from hong kong and mexico and canada and so i'm wondering if that will eventually be a good way to network for this type of thing in in the very near future, it could
0: end up being that way. Oh, totally. I think that's, a. I think that could be a great way to network, especially with people that are way outside of your geographical bubble.
1: It's so cool. Like I, especially these last couple weeks, they've amped up the amount of events because they know people are stuck inside right now. Mm-hmm. And so like, I've noticed way more people at these events. So I, you know, you go in, I was, I was just yesterday on there and I'm playing like darts cuz like you're you know it feels like you're really playing darts it's really strange cuz it's if you've ever done virtual reality so I'm playing darts with these people and one of them was from um South Africa one of them was from Germany one of them was from Brazil and then a couple from like the United States and Canada like where where would you be able to do something like that it's such a unique experience i feel like it's gonna be a good way to network in the future where you you may get work from it, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I tried, I tried buying an AR set after we talked about it. They were sold out out on the the actual website.
1: I had a feeling because of what's going on, people are looking for things to do. So yeah, (laughs) they're probably on back order. I'm just thinking in the future, that could be a real, a real way. And so maybe you want to be first on that train. And if when they become available, like, pick one up or you already have one think about how you could because if i if i had been smart maybe i could have spoken with some of those people about what i do for work and who knows what would have come out of it Right. So take advantage of all the social interactions you have. Not that you're always just trying to sell people things, right. but building relationships with people, you just never know what comes out of those.
0: And that that's another big benefit, I think, to face-to-face networking is it's so important to build a relationship first before you start pitching them what you do. Yeah. No one likes being sold to. And when you want to talk to someone socially, you're trying to do it as more of an entertainment and a feel-good thing, not so much a, a work engagement. Yeah. So that's that's tough and then keeping an eye out for specifically networking groups or like networking events because then people are going to these events to network so then that breaks down that wall and so you can jump right into what you do right you know but and at the same time try to build a personal relationship and connection so
1: yeah that's great. So that's like been your, definitely your most effective way for marketing. I think it's probably not, obviously it's not for me. I, I found that social media marketing has worked better for me. Mm. I'll talk a little bit about that. And and I'm not even, it's not even close, like 97% of my money that I generate is from social media marketing and so, and not necess- and it's not even like I'm when I say marketing, I'm not talking about paying for ads. I'm just talking about posting on social media hmm. and that helps network and and then people get to see your artwork. And then, you know, every few eight, 10 posts, maybe you'll post about your Etsy shop or you don't want to be bombarding people with constant marketing advertisements but it's just like you're talking about it's like building relationships with people it's just done on a digital platform which people are getting really used to that i mean that's just how it's been now for at least a decade right and so how much time do you think
0: you spend on that compared to
1: doing and making work that's a good question because that is kind of the second part of this question right how much time spent on it and it's a lot i mean it really is because you you figure about Like, for instance, with TikTok, which is a new one for me, if I think about how much time I'm spending making a video and then thinking about ideas for videos, which can be like when I'm laying in bed at night even, or I'm still kind of working, it's got to be half the time. At least half the time is spent marketing.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. About 50%
1: total. Or networking. Maybe not marketing is not the right word, but networking, which a lot of networking
0: is marketing. And I think a lot of the time suck of networking is social media posting and having an online presence yeah because like i'll go i'll go to one to three or used to go to one to three events like networking events or art openings or lectures a week probably and that's where i'd kind of just kind of show my face and make sure i was top of mind and so that ratio of time spent and jobs that i got out of it is a lot higher than the amount of time spent on social media and the work i get from that
1: it's like a combination of things i feel like if you're spending ninety percent of your time making art, you're never gonna sell your art. Like it's nice that you're able to spend that much time making art, but unless you're like a really coveted artist that everyone just wants to buy from, then y- you know you have to spend a lot of time, a lot more time marketing than, than you're probably like the people realize. When people think of like, oh, you're an art, a professional artist, they might think that you just spend all your days just drawing and chilling out and that's all you, you do. But it's just like, that's
0: really such a small part of it, unfortunately. I think it's because we're, we have to wear so many hats, especially in the beginning, until we can get to a point where we can offload some of this work to someone else.
1: And most artists don't get to that, ever get to that point. Yeah. Because you have to be pretty successful before you can start hiring people to do that type of thing for you.
0: And maybe that's also an agents come in sometimes too they could offload some of some of that yeah not not all of it you're still on the hook to to do a lot of the marketing that's true yeah and but even agents aren't
1: easy to get like right there's so much um it's just too many artists out there right now so it becomes a challenge (laughs) (laughs) anyway so let's move to the next question which is from ben eight boy and it says says would it would be good if you could talk about dwindling confidence in your work and how to get out of a slump finding inspiration finding your own style this is like Finding your own style, finding inspiration, how to get out of a slump, dwindling confidence, kind of four different things.
0: We did recently record a, a podcast one.
1: about style. And inspiration too. So why don't we, why don't we focusing on the dwindling confidence and how to get out of a rut type thing? Yeah. I guess I'll start since you started the last question. Sure. Dwindling confidence is a challenge because, and I think you would agree with this, Joe, that almost everybody has at least some part of them is like an imposter syndrome type thing where you're always thinking like, I'm a professional artist, but I don't feel like I'm really a professional artist. Like I feel like I'm fooling people, right? (laughs) You know, like I'm really I'm not that great, but people think I am better than I am or something. I don't know. Yeah, just that itself helps me when I start feeling like less confidence, knowing that almost every artist feels that way.
0: I always feel that way. and I think that's partly what pushes me to try to be better and
1: to keep going. And knowing that even the artists, that you love feel that way like even your favorite artist
0: and knowing that it probably won't go away this feeling
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe if you get like hugely successful, eventually you'll get to the point where you realize like, I, like,
0: I obviously must have done something right. I honestly hope it doesn't go away. Is is the reality of it? I, th- I think, I think it really helps keep someone humble and That's keeps true. keeps someone wanting to learn and to grow and to get better throughout yeah. your your life. And so, I think, I think it's a good thing actually. And I think all all good artists have that and just have to deal with that. It's funny that you say that because I was actually giving this
1: some thought. This question reminds me of something I was thinking about this week because the last couple of weeks I've done like um YouTube live art tutorials where I've like show how to do certain things and then I'm thinking to in my mind like well like who am I to show anybody how to do anything like I'm I'm just an artist but who says the way I'm doing things is the right way and so then it just made me think like well I'm not really showing them the right way to do things I'm just sh- saying like hey if you're if you like my art and you're interested in seeing how I do it I'll show you but this is not the right way to do it this is just how I do it Mm -hmm. I know tomorrow I've already thought about I want to actually say that at the beginning, just like this is by putting out tutorials. I'm not trying to say like I'm better than everyone and I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm just saying this is how I do it. If you're interested, I thought I'd show you my process right because i don't i would never want to be that person that's so arrogant to think like you know like i'm going to show everyone really how to do things like that's just silly like exactly i watch tutorials all the time i've watched tutorials from people that probably don't make any money from their art but I like the way they do things, and it interests me. And you you can learn from it. Try to keep this in mind. Every person you meet in your daily life, every single person you meet can teach you something. Yeah. Because that's the truth.
0: They've all experienced
1: life a different way than you have. Yeah, no, they're better than you at something. Their fact is, if you view everyone as better than you, you're going to live your life in a humble way. People are going to like you. And so there's nothing wrong with having insecurities about your, your work and in, about yourself in, in general. It keeps you humble. I think you're right. Yeah. You wouldn't want that to go away.
0: So I do get some, I do get down on myself sometimes. And I do get in these ruts where, where I feel super inadequate with my work or wondering what, what am I doing. I get the imposter syndrome kind of snowballing. And so some of the things I do when I get in that spot is I, I look at work I've done in the past. And I'll start... Over opening up old sketchbooks and seeing how much progress I have made in what's in reality a short amount of time you know what what does your work look like now from when it did a year ago should be better (laughs) I imagine it's better and then just kind of, you could see, you could see the things that you have done and that can inspire you to be like, okay, I've done this before. Let's just keep doing it. Yeah. I like the philosophy. I think Jake Parker says this a lot, uh, perf done, not perfect. And so just like get things done and don't worry too much about them being perfect. Right. And That's a mo- good point. And
1: move on. When you, when they ask about the second point where it says, how do you get out of a, a slump? Uh, do you think they're asking like, how do you get out of a slump where you just can't think of things to draw? draw and that like a artist creative block or you think they mean like a slump of where you're just feeling low about yourself and you're you have low confidence because i feel like that's what they're asking
0: yeah it's probably a little bit of both it's probably a low confidence thing i would say a slump
1: because you just answered that really with what you do you you kind of look at your old work it helps give you confidence seeing the progress
0: but slump and creative block both have the same treatment you know i I do the same thing for both where sometimes it also means your creative tanks just aren't full and your inspiration tanks aren't full right now so how do you fill them up you know you yeah. everyone has their own thing do you look at art do you look at other people's work do you go to the movies do you go to the library and do some research on on artists um, go to the museum there's a bunch of virtual museums that are open for yeah. free that we you can take tours of so yeah sometimes it's just just that we're going going for a walk you know it's okay to not be at hundred percent productivity all the time You can't and so you have to right. you have to to take your breaks and let that happen and not not get down on yourself for that yeah I think I agree I think
1: getting out of a slump is it can be a challenge but you've just gotta step back maybe and go for a walk or I have different ways like I have a few book, art books that I like to look through that always get me flowing and then they're usually the same books that I always go to that are I have a lot of art books but it's always the same few that really help me to get back in the mentality of, of creativity I guess yeah so the next question nostalgic amoeba that's the name of the person it says who do you feel influences you and who's an artist way outside your wheelhouse that you love?
0: I think my influences are, come in rings. So I have an inner ring where I think I'm most influenced by artists that I directly know and artists who I have a connection with. I know their life. I know, I know what kind of work they're getting or, or how they're doing their work yeah. and how successful they are. And I think that pushes, pushes me a lot. So I think you would fall in that category, Lewis, and some other of my friends that I've graduated with or went to school with, students, faculty that I that I had, um, colleagues that I've worked with. Then I'm influenced highly by people that I don't know directly, but I listen to their podcasts a lot. The guys at Three Point Perspective podcast, uh, Jake Parker, Will Terry, Lee White. Th- those are great influences because I, I've naturally kind of followed a similar path that they're, they're yeah. on. And so it's nice to see where they're at compared to where I'm at. Do you think
1: most of your influences are like other illustrators?
0: It is for illustration. If, if we're just focusing on illustration, but you know that now that you ask that general public even friends family they they have a lot of influence on my, on my work because i'm making work for a mass audience most of the time and so, so I'm, take, I'm taking in their opinions always and trying to redirect as needed
1: i guess i meant like what other types of artists like uh animators or, or do you know what i mean like because i know oh. you do animation and
0: yeah i i love yeah i love animation super influenced by that and that that's kind of a harder question to answer when you bring animation into the picture because there's just hundreds of people who work on a given project at a time why don't
1: you tell us what your favorite like your top three favorite animations of all time are like it could be movies or or TV shows it might be hard to to narrow it down but
0: I really love animations where you can see see the hand still yeah you know whether it's drawn or, or a 3d and you could still see that it was handmade and it's tactile and there's something really special there so I really Really love everything coming out of Leica Studios it's like paranormal Coraline, coralline um box trolls that that kind of stuff artistically that's absolutely phenomenal let's see another one probably a french studio i forget I forget the name of it but they've made triplets of belleville is is one of one of my top favorite animations i've never heard of it i'm gonna have to look it up now they also did another one i think it was called the magician magician and then more more traditional stuff that everyone knows like warner brothers stuff looney tunes it, it is so well crafted yeah. and when you really learn how how those animations were created you you get blown away and you just you, you realize that it's not just a simple cartoon yeah you know it's not an easy thing yeah so i guess that inspires me a lot
1: yeah i agree i used to love like, Road roadrunner was one of my favorites it's so well animated and all of those things I, when i was a kid i used to love the usa cartoon express which had like um scooby-doo and the flintstones and Jabberjaw and a bunch of stuff Jetsons and that type of stuff and then as adults like Simpsons and obviously the uh, Futurama and that type of stuff is awesome
0: Rick and Morty has been really fun for me recently
1: you want to hear something I've never even seen one episode of that show and I know it's like a cult hit yeah and I've never even watched one I gotta watch it because I know People love it.
0: You'll, yeah, you'll love it.
1: There's like so many shows. I feel like nowadays it's basically impossible to keep up with all the shows because of all the networks and Netflix and Hulu's making original content. Like how do you even keep up with everything?
0: I actually recently had to delete my Hulu and Netflix Accounts because I was spending too much time on them.
1: Yeah. Do you regret it now though that we can't leave the house
0: right now? (laughs) No, I did it recently. Oh, you did it because of that? Yeah. Because I'm not leaving the house right now. That's so so funny. I've been trying to switch my time spent to podcasts and classes online and something that I could actually learn something from to push me further in a time that I'm slower. Yeah. Makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) About about this stuff.
1: All right. So I guess I'll answer that question now. Though who? Who influences me? Who's outside my wheelhouse? I'm just looking right now at my art because it's right here, my, my bookshelf of like all my favorite art books. And those are what influenced me the most because I look through them all the time. So David Lynch is somebody that I pick up his art book almost every day and look through it, even though I've seen it so many times. David McKeon has a couple of really great graphic novels and his his art style is really diverse. And so he's got some stuff that's really loose, like similar to my work, but then he's got some really tight work. And so he's kind of all over the place, but I like that. Felix Scheinberger's a really great war. Watercolor artist that does loose work. And Alan Kober is an illustrator. So a lot of these people are illustrators. And Richard Thompson is another great one. David Lynch is probably not an illustrator. He's a filmmaker and he does giant sculptures and paintings and drawings. Those are the people that most influence my work, I would think right now. And But those are not outside my wheelhouse. Those, If you look at their work, you could definitely see an influence. So I guess some of the influences that we just talked about, maybe you wouldn't realize, like Looney Tunes and Road Run or that type of thing, maybe that might surprise some people. I'm trying to think of like maybe just like an illustrator or a visual artist that that's outside of my wheelhouse that maybe people, well, I mean, I like your work and that's definitely a lot different than what I do. I'm kind of like you. I like all kinds of different illustration styles and it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to resemble my work for me to like it.
0: You could pick and choose pieces that you really love and still be able to incorporate that or be influenced by, by that.
1: Have you ever heard of basil wolverton he's like you know who crumb is our crumb right yeah he's kind of like i think he began before crumb and he does similar type cartoons to him mm-hmm. he actually did an entire a graphic novel i guess before they were really they were really called graphic novels you know back when they were just calvin and hobbes books or garfield books but he did one that was he basically did the entire bible oh. and he did it in his own st- you have to see his work it's like really detailed but really great caricature work and cartoon mm-hmm. works if you like crumb you'll definitely definitely like his work it's not as it's nowhere near as like crude as From was yeah. the visual styles are similar for sure so what's the next question okay so the next question comes from jose the rapper and it is how long do you typically work on a single piece is it a long process is it really quick and spontaneous spontaneous and that's so i'll answer that one first this time I think for me then it's usually not long. It's usually like if I sit down, I can finish a piece within two hours, sometimes 30 minutes just depends on what it is. If it's like a, a commissioned piece, I definitely spend more time on it because I'm work- I'm working to, to do some um, to put somebody else's idea on paper and so I put more thought into it and more. But I always feel like whenever I put too much thought and too much sketching into a piece, it ruins it kind of ruins the piece and so i'm trying i'm trying to come up with a good balance for that because my work i like to work in a, in a pretty spontaneous way how about you because i think that i answered that i mean it's not a hard question to answer i think two hours is about the tops i like to work on a piece for
0: i think what's hard for me is defining what a typical piece is well that's true too i guess if we're saying just like a one-off a one-off illustration from beginning to end full color including concepting i i plan my pieces out yeah and I'm, I'm not well, i plan i plan my pieces out usually sometimes they're pretty spontaneous but um once i have an idea at least or a, or a subject matter or direction i could usually take that run with it and have a final full color piece done within two to five hours depending on how complex the illustration is i
1: think you i think you're right though Tipi- like defining a typical piece when you do all sorts of different work and you do animation too so that's obviously going to be way longer
0: right and it's going to be longer if it's a full background or or just right. just the figure. Yeah.
1: So I think what what you talked about though is is a good way to answer it is you know how spontaneous your work is. You put maybe a little bit more planning into it. Although you did, you just were telling me you did like a live drawing where people could tell you what to draw, and you didn't have time to plan that because you didn't know what they were gonna say.
0: Right. I started doing live drawing sessions every Sunday at 12 o'clock noon on Instagram, where I do a tell tell me what to draw session, and people just throw ideas at me um, in the beginning, and I try to push piece together all. All these ideas into an illustration and try to yeah try to have a drawing done by the end of the hour and yeah so that's super spontaneous that's really fun it's like um that show what
1: whose line is it anyway where you're getting all these ideas from the audience and then you got to make a skit out of them right but you also do like those the whiteboard type things where you're illustrating
0: yeah, it's called gr- graphic recording yeah or I like to call them doodle notes that's that seems to be something that's easier for people to understand where I just doodle key concepts and ideas as as the presenter is talking
1: so you're able to work very spontaneously if need be but you prefer to plan things out if if it's like a illustration type job
0: it's funny even even though I'm spontaneous or when I'm drawing spontaneous I'm planning just crazy fast in my head yeah and that has been a lot of spent a lot of prep practice doing that and so so yeah so i guess i still i still really plan things out even even when it's perceived to be spontaneous
1: yeah that's interesting i wonder if you could like practice that that type of thing the spontaneous drawings where maybe you put on like a tv show and just close your or like don't face the tv but just listen to what they're saying and try to draw the types of ideas you're getting yeah it might be a way to work on things like that i think we both are pretty spontaneous with our drawings even if even in when you're planning things out you can see that i just was looking at that piece you did for your live drawing with and it's funny when you do try to combine ideas from other people you end up with these drawings that you would never come up with on your own where you have like a an octopus on a tandem bike with cheese cheese for wheels (laughs) (laughs) like and holding a toilet paper and a purell (laughs) is that a horse on the front yeah yeah so like you got an octopus and a horse (laughs) riding a bike with cheese wheels you would have never you would have never come up with that idea on your own
0: i don't think i don't think anyone could have by themselves you know that's what's kind of fun about it no
1: you'd have unless you're like dr seuss or somebody with a really a mind that works that way you know
0: it's it's funny making things that are over complicated because we are also trained to distill things down to make it not complicated so yeah i would never i would never put that many things together so that's it's interesting yeah that's a good
1: point all right we have a couple more questions the next one is is from Mark Lev Photo. At what point did you realize that every line doesn't have to be perfect oh and that you have found your voice so we'll just talk about the first part like when did you kind of realize that your work doesn't have to be perfect
0: i think i realized it in college actually uh, there's a there's a big problem most students have and i was included with this and i had to figure out why and how to how to manage this and the problem being sometimes when you go from your sketch to your final your final doesn't look as good as your sketch it happens all the time and you just lost the life you lost the life of the drawing somehow okay yeah. so So what is that life what does that life mean and so that's where i think bringing the human hand into it and and be able to see human hand kind of like i was talking about with the animations that's that's there's a warmth behind that that brings some life to a character to a drawing when you could see that it was done by hand so like if i over over rendered or or just made it very made my image or illustration really graphical it, it became cold and that's huh. when I realized there's so much power in life in my in my drawn hand that wasn't perfect. Right. So like the perfect line did not look better than the line I first drew all, all the time. This isn't always the case, but so yeah. So even when I'm doing really clean stuff on the computer, I still make sure not to make it perfect. Yeah. And that's 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 where the that's where you should come out. That's where your style starts to show and your personality and in your, in your humanity starts to show.
1: Yeah, because I'm thinking like, let's for instance, let's say you draw like a, a glass of water. If you're on like Photoshop, you're doing digital work, you could make two perfect uh, ellipses, right? For the top and the bottom. Right. And then you can make two perfect straight lines go for the sides of the glass. Now you've drawn a glass with two perfect ellipses. Everything's perfect about it. And it's so uninteresting. Right. Because it's perfect. And like, nobody wants to see that. Right. Because anybody could do any, literally anybody could do that on Photoshop and make two ellipses and two straight lines. And so I actually, I went in and did a critique with the seniors at Mecca. Um, A few weeks ago, you and I already talked about this and there was a, they were showing me their thesis work and their thesis work is about halfway done at this point. And one of the students, I can't remember her name. So she put up her work and she had, it was multiple pieces. She was working on a project that was going to end up being like four or five different illustrations that made up, that made up the project. So she puts up her work. One of the pieces was done. One of the pieces, she hadn't started all of them, but one she had one piece done, one piece that was half done, one piece that was kind of in like first, the first stages of sketching and then another piece that was kind of in like finished sketching. Mm -hmm. And it was so obvious to me that the two in the middle, the ones that were like in the sketching stages were way better than the finished piece. Mm. And so so I said, you know what you should maybe consider for your thesis having the work in different stages of completion might be interesting and she's actually ending up doing that and i'm hoping what's going to happen is she's going to get tons of compliments on the piece that that's like almost done Mm -hmm. because it's so it's just so loose You know what I mean? And as soon as she went to the finished process, she started tightening things up a little too much. Yeah. And I'm not sure when, because it says like, when did you realize that? And maybe it's a slow realization, but I've never liked perfect work ever. Yeah. I realized maybe in college, the same time as you, that, that's the type of work type of work I'm going to do is far from perfect.
0: I thought art was supposed to be about perfection when I was going into art school. And I thought like realism and stuff was what art was and how how well you could render something to look like the real thing.
1: Well, that the thing is, like, there's so many artists out there that are doing realism right now and people love it. Like people that don't know a lot about art often do love that type of art because It looks just like what it's supposed to look like, you know? Oh, that elephant looks exactly like a real elephant. And so there is a market for that. And there is actually a pretty good market. For instance, if you do like pet portraits, people want it to look just like their pet, right? And so there's uh, something to be said for uh, artists that do that type of work, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's just not the type of work that I love. And so uh, I guess, but even in, you know what, I say that, but I do portraits of people all the time and they look like the people, but they're not perfect. Like the, the line work is kind of messy and stuff. So I feel like you can do, you can definitely do somewhat realistic work that definitely rep clearly represents what it's supposed to, and still being kind of messy and loose. Yeah. So the next question is from Eliza Saldana, who answered that last question first? I don't even remember. I can't remember. Well, no, just both right. Eliza Saldana wants to know what themes do you explore? In your work, uh, where does the, your desire to work with those themes come from? Hmm. So, you know, what, what types?
0: Would you say humor is a theme? Yeah,
1: I think so. It's kind of a pretty broad theme, but it's definitely a theme.
0: I I think the quick, quick gags, quick gags and jokes are what I always try to achieve. I always want to, I always want to make someone giggle, laugh, smile. And I think that's, that's what makes a piece successful for me. Yeah. But as far as other like deeper themes, I don't, I don't know if I have any.
1: So like when you say, so it says, where does the, the desire to work with that theme come from? It's, I'm assuming it's just because you like to laugh.
0: I love to laugh. Yeah. I think, and I think that's, that's what brings people together. I think that, crosses over all barriers whether it be geographical language where you come from what you believe in you know uh, laughter yeah. overarcs and breaks down all those barriers yeah you know the age-old saying laughter is the best medicine
1: and people need laughter like because life is so stressful and so much anxiety especially now obviously but right. it's like people need that type of thing to to Get some break from reality, you know?
0: It brings a little more positivity into the world. It's very it's very easy to get yourself down. So every little bit helps.
1: I think that's why I'm, I'm enjoying TikTok so much is because it's like a platform where I can like joke more and take myself way less seriously. And I think people are enjoying it because... They're not used to that from, like, visual artists. Like, let's be real. A lot of visual artists are pretty pretentious. They take themselves really way too seriously. Mm -hmm. And so when people see an artist, like, really not take themselves seriously it's kind of out of the norm a little bit right and so i'm using instagram more as a way to show my art and showcase you know the type of work i do and then tiktok more of the way to show my personality and i think that's good because i think the more people know who you are as a person the more likely they are to buy your art because it's like they're buying into who you are you know
0: that's kind of been an epiphany moment i've had this year myself i feel like people really want to see the authenticity of the person yeah not just your art yeah
1: and we're getting more opportunities to do to show people that right because of the way social media works if I'm thinking about these artists that I really like like I don't know who they are as people at all right for instance um Alan Colbert he's like an older illustrator there was none of this stuff around when he was he was working so like all I know is his drawings I know nothing about him and if I knew more about him I'd love that if he had like a social media that I could learn more about him
0: and it's funny because I used to even teach my students that that's how you're supposed to act online you know like yeah. You're supposed to be professional. You're supposed to show your best work. Blah blah blah. But now people want to see how you did your work. You know your process behind it. What's you know, yeah. what's your life like? People don't like it. Yeah. And I'm only coming around to that now and trying to change that now.
1: I'm noticing like even now during like this whole lockdown, when I see the late night hosts, they're doing like their shows from home, mm-hmm. like Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, and like I feel like I'm enjoying these shows more because I'm seeing like who they are at home and they probably don't have all their writers working maybe for them right now. And I don't know, like there's something about that realness, right? Cause the show is really fake. They're dressed in a suit. They're up there like telling all these re- pre-written jokes, even the interviews. Like if you ever heard people talk about like late night interviews, it looks spontaneous, but it's not at all. They, the person that like is coming to be interviewed always tells the host ahead of time, what questions they'd like them to ask to set their stories up, you know? Oh. So it's like, Lame. yeah, like, Hey, I got a great story about my daughter. So ask me, how my kids are doing so i you know what i mean like it's also fake and so to see things that are a little bit more real is just nice
0: yeah that is nice
1: next question we got just two more this one is from D. Hodge NYC. Does working from life matter or are you more comfortable working from photographs, imagination? So he's asking about, you know, do you work from life, photos, imagination?
0: Oh, Working from life always matters. That's the best way. The absolute best way. Ph- photos, Photos are okay when you can't. Work from life, but imagination I feel like is best because there's no rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, imagination's the funnest in my mind.
0: Yeah, you make your own rules. You you make your own world believable, whatever that world is. And as long as it's believable in that world, then that's okay. Yeah, I
1: think that you're right. I think imagination photos is the lowest one of, of those. Yeah, but sometimes it's necessary if you're doing a portrait and you're not with the per like you know you don't know this celebrity you know so you're never gonna be able to work from life. So there's there's time when working for or like you're drawing a picture of a lion unless you live near the zoo maybe you're gonna need need a photograph but if you can draw from in person it's so much better
0: yeah and when when you're working with a photograph try to try to work with multiple photographs and maybe even a video if you can yeah and then try to try to find unique unique poses or start to use your imagination with the photographs to to get the better drawing out of it yeah i agree
1: but i mean there's definitely no right or wrong answer i just think work you you should definitely know how to work from life and so prac if you're not good at it practice 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 because because the more the better you get at that the better you're just going to be as an artist and the easier working from photographs becomes if you can draw from life then drawing from photographs is super easy yeah i think we kind of are in agreement in agreement about that and of course working from imagination is the the easiest because nobody knows what's in your mind except you right
0: foundationally you need you need to know the foundations of working and and drawing from life before you could really dive into imagination you know you need to really practice that and get a good foundation
1: yeah Exactly. So we got, I thought we had one question left. We have two. One of them was short, so I I missed it. It says, what supplies do you use the most? That's from RDPNG.
0: I use my digital stuff the most. Yeah. Before using digital, I use Ticonderoga pencils and sketch it out in a sketchbook real sloppy because I know what it's going to look like when I go to final. So I don't have to spend the time and extra time to make my sketch look pretty yeah. anymore. Like I, I look back in some of my sketchbooks from years back. I'm like, whoa, these sketchbooks are awesome. It's because I spent so much time on the sketches. I'm like, well, now I don't even bother spending the time on the sketches. I'm just using it to quickly thumbnail things out right and find a good concept an idea and then go right to final and and bring that take a picture of that sketch bring it digitally and finish it
1: and then with digital tools what what's your tools that you use most that in that sense sorry
0: i go straight to my ipad and procreate and do most of the drawing there then finish it off with final tweaks and formatting on photoshop typically
1: that's similar to what i do when i work digitally my favorite non-digital tools well i'll just give my absolute favorite which are fountain pens i have like a A newer one that's a Pelican brand one, but my favorites are the Lamy. That's a 2000s. And I just got one that's awesome. It's a Lamy 2000 extra broad nib. And this thing is like, it's the most smooth pen I've ever owned. I highly recommend if you're serious about pen and ink to try one out. They're not cheap. They're over a hundred dollars, but If you're using dip pen and ink, you can get very similar results with this fountain pen and you don't have to keep dipping it, which is one of the reasons I hate dipping is because it's like, I don't know, it's just frustrating and it kind of takes me out of my flow when I have to continue to go over and dip, so... If you're going to try a fountain pen, you can get a Lamy Safari fountain pen for about $15. So they're cheap if you want to just try out their, the brand of pens with a cheaper one. But those have like those, um, what do you call them? Like
0: little... Cartridges?
1: Car- yeah, cartridge. I couldn't think of the name. Thank you. But you can get refillable cartridges.
0: For yes. Those.
1: This type of fountain pen, the 2000s, has like just a bottle of ink and you just dip it in and then you spin the top and it sucks the ink up into it.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's far better.
1: The bottles are... I don't know if you've ever seen the Lamy bottles of ink. So I'll show you. People can't see this, but you see it's got like this little roll of paper that comes out of the side of it. Yeah. It's like a little toilet paper, but you just pull it out and then once you... Dip it, you can use that to like clean the nib after. So it's got like these this built in like little roll of toilet paper around it or whatever. It's really cool.
0: That's really cool.
1: And if I run out of toilet paper, I have these. (laughs) Uh, It's that's a little too small. (laughs) Half inch wide toilet paper. (laughs) I'd have to be pretty desperate to use that.
0: (laughs) And accurate. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'm not going to resort to that. I've got my wife thankfully works at a hotel and they told all the employees that are on salary there, like, just take we're so slow right now. Just take toilet paper from here if you need it.
0: Yeah, that's nice.
1: So if you need toilet paper, Joe, let me know. (laughs) Let's see the last question. It's from Owlish Book Lover. And this is a good question uh, that I definitely relate to. It says, I'm a newbie. Coming to art later in life, they're in their late forties. What advice would you give to a newbie in in terms of finding my own voice and style? And and they're asking also like advice for them to start like selling their work and that type of thing. That's interesting, right? So she's in her, I think it's a a she, but maybe it's not. They're in their late forties and they haven't found their art style yet. Most people by then probably have, right? Mm. So what what type of advice would you give to someone like
0: that? Stay true to yourself. Yeah, I know you must have have a comfortable comfortable means or medium that you like to work in dive into that what makes you happy what makes what makes you go into a total flow zone where time doesn't exist anymore you know start focusing on that kind of stuff keep working on that and and let let your style kind of happen organically and keep focusing on the subject matter that you that you love and get excited about and passionate about and i think your audience will find you as long as you're showing your work and putting your work out there for audience to see. I think so, too. As
1: far as like finding your style, like I don't think it's any different than anybody else finding. You you know, it's it's just that age is just a number. So finding your style shouldn't be any different than a 12 year old that's trying to that's trying to find their style. I started an art career later in life. I know you said you were in your late 40s. I was in my mid to late 30s, so not as old, but that's still later in life, really, to start a career. I think you just not got to not worry about your age because it really is a number and nobody cares. Nobody cares what how old you are. They care what the type of work you're doing. If they like your work, they like it. The only challenge is that, that maybe being older and trying to start a business have versus if you were younger is you probably have more responsibilities at your age. Maybe you have kids, maybe you have a lot of bills that you maybe wouldn't have had if you started when you were young when you maybe still live with your parents even or had a lot of roommates and you had no bills and you had freedom to travel and so you have different challenges that you have to work around and so quitting your job and just starting an art career probably isn't an option for you unless you're in a great financial spot I don't know but so it, it's going to take time and just slowly start you know it's just going to take time I mean what else can you say
0: it's definitely a time thing so we don't we don't know if this person has been drawing or painting their whole lives or, or what right but keep in mind if you are if you are just starting, keep keep in mind though the like ten thousand hours rule and if you can get ten thousand hours in it's it could start to be a master master at something. And ten thousand hours is a lot and you gotta put that time in and you can you can front load that or it can take a long time. Well let's see,
1: if you put if you put twenty hours a week, I'm gonna see how long that would take to do ten thousand hours. That would tell. Wait, ten thousand divided by twenty, so it would take five hundred weeks. Divided by so, was that ten years? Yeah. So, if you can find twenty hours in ten years, you could be a master. Maybe in five years, you're well on your way. The cool thing about art you know, most careers, you know, in your mid 60s, you kind of retire, but you can do you can make art until you die. Right. Right. And so like, I mean, I could retire when I'm 65. But I also if I'm still making money, like I enjoy making art and I can do it from home. So why would I retire if I don't have to, I guess?
0: Yeah, didn't Vincent van Gogh start really late in life painting? I forget what, but it was really late. Yeah,
1: I I don't plan on retiring. I plan on working right until I don't have, you know, until I die, because why why wouldn't I?
0: So that's really what you put in to it. You know, like when I was drawing all my life virtually, but when I was 12, 15, 16, yeah, my work wasn't any good. When I was 20, 21, my work was still not really getting good. <laughs> when I was 25, I was starting to feel like my work is getting better. Yeah. Now I'm feeling like it's growing every year. So it really is a time game and what how much time you put into it.
1: I think you're right. I think it's just a matter of doing it and not worrying about how old you are. This was cool to answer people's questions because we got to have a nice conversation about all sorts of different topics. Today, which I liked.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: As you know, I have a. I'm doing another podcast next. Um, being interviewed for a podcast that's all about Tourette's. It's called Tourette's Podcast. So look out for that because I'll be on that. Everyone. Well, let's see. What else do we want to tell people? We we have a Etsy promotion that for podcast listeners that's um, thumbnail. When you check out, you can use that and you get 25% off anything in our Etsy shops.
0: And uh, I have some new news where every Sunday I'm going to be doing a live drawing on Instagram. You tell me what to draw. That's always a fun time. And then I also have free coloring pages available that are up for download. You can download a high res file and you can get a link to that also on my Instagram.
1: Awesome. Yeah, so you've got some new things going on that's that's really cool we're both kind of trying to do what we can during this weird time and um hopefully you guys are all doing well and staying safe
0: yeah so what's what's your instagram lewis is l- at lewis rosignal
1: yeah just just my name make it easy for people and mine's at fort house it's fort house studios or just fort house just fort house oh, okay cool all right well everyone have a great day all right take care thanks, thanks.